Hey new legacy Linden, this is me on. I'm currently sitting in my basement right now. Um, and I can tell you 100% this was not how I wanted to deliver what I had planned for tonight's message. Um, but Riley and I both felt like with wisdom and faith, we wanted to make a decision that was right for our house church community. And so we um, postponed the physical gathering. And I hope that you're hearing this message tonight. And I hope that you will be able to hear my heart um, with tonight's message. Before I even get started, I just wanted to remind you that we have our Easter egg hunt coming up and we're going to do it the day before Easter. So on April 11th, we're going to be meeting at Bredesen Park at, um, a, well, it's open from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., but the egg hunt starts at 11. And this is a potluck. And this is definitely something you want to invite your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers to. It's a really great opportunity just to meet um, different people and help build community. Uh, please put that in your calendar. And also, um, if this is your house church, if New Legacy Linden is your people, is your house church, then I want to encourage you to give your tithes and offering online to um, online on our website. And you can do that from there. And I'm just going to start off in the message. But before I start off, I wanted to, um, I want to pray. Excuse me. <coughs> Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be physically sitting next to each other to be the church because the church is the people. It is not the physical building. And God, I just thank you that um, that Riley and I and our girls, we get to love and serve this community and we get to be loved by this community. I pray that your word would speak through me clearly that I would not get in the way of what you want to do. So Lord, I thank you so much for technology and being able to do this right here, right now in this way. It is not what I wanted to do, but God, you are making a way and I am grateful. I thank you um, just for our health and I thank you for all the nurses and doctors and people who are working with um, so many people who are not feeling well. God, would you bless them and protect them? And God, I pray for all the families out there who are struggling with figuring out what to do if school is canceled. God, would you provide for them? Will you open up ways that the church could be the hands and feet of Christ to people in need? In Jesus' name, amen. As you can see from the slide, this is a real feel-good start to my message. <coughs> As some of you know, not all of you. I got back this last week from a trip to the Church Multiplication Network. And I'll be 100% honest, I was not excited to go because I was going to be real pissed if this entire conference was going to be about how mega church pastors were going to tell me how I could build a mega church because I don't want to build a mega church. And I came in with a hard heart and apparently it took God taking me to Texas, uh, the belt buckle of the U.S., to show me something in my heart that I did not even recognize was there. And it was that bitterness of the thorns that are choking my faith. Um, you know, the last couple of weeks at House Church, we were talking about how there is a sower and there's four different types 
of soil and I asked you to reflect on what kind of soil your heart is. And I think we need to recognize that like a garden, it requires consistent mindful tending because weeds can get in, thorns can get in. And I was not tending what I would call the garden of my heart. And I allowed bitterness to grow in my heart and choke out my faith. And what was what the bitterness stemmed from is I have been wrestling with God. We have been so honest about our journey with the Lord not healing Riley. And I have wrestled because I just don't understand why God wouldn't heal my husband. And I was angry and I I was trying to make sense of it. And bitterness crept in as I lived in that thin space of hoping that God would make a miracle. We would do a miracle. He is the miracle maker. And my that part of faith where God is still good regardless of the miracle happening or not. And it was in worship that the Lord just said, bitterness are the thorns that have choked your faith. And I felt immediately convicted that I needed to repent because when we talked about the good soil and the thorny soil, the rocky soil, all that stuff, <coughs> what I said with the thorny, the thorny soil and um, the soil with the thorns in it is that it represents that there are other things growing that will choke out the good seed. So for me, it was bitterness and it was lack of perspective that was choking on my faith. And it was interesting because when that was revealed to me, I didn't get it I was like what do you mean like what do you mean bitterness and then I recognized that the thing about weeds growing in soil is that it's subtle it is happening underground before we will ever see it on top of the ground that weeds and the roots go down before they go up and so it was so subtle that the roots of bitterness was in the soil of my heart. And I share this because I want it to be a warning to all of us that a part of working the ground is tilling it and taking things up and putting air and life into there and making sure that we get the roots. Like I share with you guys all the time and I joke about it that I'm not a green thumb. Things die in my care besides my children and you guys. But for the most part, I don't enjoy weeding. It stresses me out. But one of the things that I do know about weeding is that you got to pull things up from the root. And so this message is me pulling things up from the root and sharing my heart with you. Because what I wanted to focus on, what I want this message to be, is really a message of repentance on my behalf. Because as your lead pastor, as the spiritual shepherd of our gathering... I didn't even recognize that when the bitterness, those thorns, when they choke out my faith, they, they, they take out my vision. They take out my ability to dream and lead us. And I felt so convicted that I needed to re-enter back into the space of my faith, my passion, and my vision. I needed to re-enter back into the rooms where I dreamed mighty things and I prayed mighty things. But the thing about thorns choking out my faith is that it was slowly taking the nourishment that was for the good seed. 
So the good seed of faith, vision, passion was dying. (coughs) And I needed to enter back into those spaces. And if I was to be honest, I would encourage all of us to enter back into those spaces of faith and passion and vision. What are the things that God has called us to that we have not yet seen fulfilled in our life? What are the things that God has given us dreams about, but we are too afraid to pursue? What are the things that God has called us to as a church that we haven't been actively doing. And a part of that is because as the lead pastor, I should be leading the way. And honestly, I haven't casted vision lately for our church because that vision was not overflowing from my own life. That vision wasn't overflowing from my own time with God because the bitterness, those thorns were choking out the vision. And so what is the vision? What is New Legacy Linden about? Why it does it say gather, grow, go underneath our logo? Well, you should know if you look closely at that logo image that it is a windmill, but it is also a cross. The golden yellow represents the fields that surround us. The deep, rich raspberry red represents and the blue represents the berries that are grown here that sustain so much of our life here. Heck, guys, we have a raspberry festival. That lets you know how important berries are. Berry season is one of my favorite seasons. <coughs> and we are New Legacy Linden because I believe that God is birthing new legacy in Linden. That we are about gathering, growing, and going. And I stand by what I tell you that there is nothing holier about your friends coming to house church to hear the gospel from me and receiving salvation from me it is possibly more effective if they hear it from you because you will be responsible with shepherding them discipling them and inviting them into life with you and one of the things that i got asked at the conference was when will there be another house church And if I'm going to be honest with you, my answer is I don't know. I don't know when we're going to multiply. I know that we will, but I don't know. And I want you to trust me that I am praying and I am asking the Lord what that next step is. Because now I've entered back into the space of my faith and my vision and my passion and the message that I'm going to share with you. Is about re-entering into those spaces, but also claiming what God has given us. And before I do that, and I wish you were all sitting in front of me so I can look you in the eyes and I can say this, but I want to ask you if you will forgive me and if you will continue to walk with me as we do something new in Linden. And as you're all on your spaces, you could be on your car You could be in the living room with your family. You could be anywhere. I hope you hear this, that I please forgive me for neglecting my spiritual role and mantle as the lead pastor and founder of this church for not casting vision and giving us direction so we can go and do the work. And again, I wish you were sitting in front of me Because right now in my basement, it feels kind of awkward saying this. (coughs) But you can rest assured, I'm using a lot of hand motions. 
the two scriptures that I wanted us to focus on tonight or today. Right now it's about one. But I wanted us to first focus in numbers. And it's numbers 13, 25 through 33. It says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land as uh, the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a beautiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak, the Amakalites, live in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land, um, about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and through, explored, will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And the first thing I want to call out <coughs> in this is, so the context of this, the people of God are outside of the promised land. And Moses tells a group of scouts to go in and essentially scout it out. Because the thing about the promised land is that there are still trials and hard circumstances in the promise. And as I was reading this and I was praying for our house church and for each of us, because one of the greatest pleasures of being your pastors is knowing your story. But I realize that God has given us as a community, but us as individuals, a vision and a heart and a purpose and a focus. He has given us a promise, but do not be foolish to think that promise comes without sacrifice, without trial. And without things that will appear like giants. But what I want us to know is that we should be the type of people that do things even when we're scared. That if God has called us to do it, then we will do it. If God has called me to do it, then I will do it. I don't want to hear about the giants in the land. I don't want the, I don't want to hear about how the giants in the land are going to stop me. Here's the thing. Those scouts were reporting about the giants and the people were afraid of what they heard. They didn't even see the giant. They just heard about the giant. And I feel like sometimes we stop doing the things that God has called us to do because somebody else told us that there was a giant in the way and we allowed their fear to embed itself and become our fear. And even as I say this, what speaks to me is I share this often, but my greatest fear is that I would be a terrible mother. And that came not because I, it's because I saw it and I experienced it. But I never want to speak of that fear so that it would become someone else's fear. 
I don't want to hear about giants in the promised land and still not obey God because of what I heard scares me. I think for some of us, we don't actually see the failure in our life, but we hear that there could be failure and that is enough to stop us from being obedient, stop us from being bold. And here, and this is something that I learned while I was at the conference, was that those giants are usually made up in our minds as narratives and stories that aren't even true. And so I will say to our church what I say to those to Kyrie and Kenzie <coughs> when they have these giants in their heart. I ask them, but what is true? If you have giants in your promise, but what is true? What has God called you to and will you do it anyways, even if you're scared? Because what is true? Nothing will ever get done if we wait for the perfect moment because there are no perfect moments in a sinful world. We can wait up for we can wait for all the bravery to be stored up and then we go out. But the reality is that there will be no amount of bravery that could ever be stored up to do God adventures. We have to lean in and trust the Lord. We got to do things scared because the thing about doing things scared is that we're leaning in. Can I tell you that I planted our house church scared? That I wept at night because I was so scared of what it would it could do to my family, what it could do to my children, what it would make me feel like as a female church planter in a very conservative town. Can I tell you that I did it scared? And every week, when I get to hug your kids and teach the word of God and eat some of the best food in Whatcom County, I thank God that I did it scared because if I didn't do it scared, we would not have a church. And I believe that God has given each of you possibly even greater vision then I have, I pray that God gives you greater vision than I can ever have. I pray that God gives my children vision and gifts greater than I can ever have and that they would go and do those things scared because I want us to be the type of people that do what God calls us to do <coughs> because we know what is true, that we would do it scared, that there is no giant that we hear about or even see that can be greater and more powerful than our God. So I enter back into the room of vision and passion and faith, and I will continue to do this scared. And I am so grateful that you are doing it with me. The, when we talked earlier about vision, I come back to this verse in Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, because really this message is a message of vision and re-entering into that space of vision. But Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, this was a verse that the Lord gave me when I, um, when I was in the dreaming stages of our church. And it was, the Lord took a hold of me and I was carried away by the Spirit of God to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, 
and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as a complete skeleton. Then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover the bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds. Son of man, speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore, prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord said. O my people, I will open up your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O oh my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. This is possibly one of my favorite section of scriptures because there is death and there is life. There is, there is purpose, there is vision, but my promise, but what I love is that promise that's like, I am the Lord and I have spoken. And my favorite thing about prophetic books is God uses imperfect people to speak truth to a nation. The thing that sticks out to me is that the prophet was taken in this, <coughs> excuse me, into this valley of bones. And if I can think of a valley, I'm thinking, you know, when you exit Linden on Hannigan and you drive down and you drive over the bridge and you just see all that beautiful land. And I just think imagining that land full of dry, white bones, because the thing is that bones tell us that there was once life and bones when they're white it means that the sun has bleached them out they were out there for quite some time and so Ezekiel has this vision as he stands across a valley of bones a valley that represents death and decay and a valley that reminded there was once community and life and vision and laughter 
<coughs> that there was once this valley of bones was most likely this valley of life. And he has this experience with the Lord where the Lord says, I will put breath in you and make you live again. And this promise of what he will do to restore these dry bones. And just that promise itself, that promise of I can bring life where there is death, where there is no hope, I will bring hope. And so these bones, as this prophecy progresses, these bones come back to life. The muscle and the flesh, can you, like that, it would be the trippiest thing ever. <coughs> but all of a sudden, valley of bones comes to become a valley of bodies. And what stands out to me here is that you could be alive but not really living. You see, all the bones formed again a body, but there was still no breath in them. There was still no, in the Hebrew word, the ruach, the breath of God, the very breath of God that seeps into every part of who we are, the breath of God that moves in and through us, the very breath of God. They did not, these bodies did not have the breath in them. So they weren't really living. And I think about how sometimes the church could be full of bodies, but not really living. The church could be full of bodies and not really living out the mission and vision of the kingdom of God to go and preach and teach the gospel that the church is filled with bodies, but not living, that we need the Ruach, we need the breath of God to fill us and lead us and to give us life. And so you go from a valley of bones to a valley of bodies, but there still is no life. And so the Lord commands Ezekiel to speak to the four winds. That the four winds will come and fill these bodies. <clears throat> and so Ezekiel did. Just as God commanded him to. And can I say, I want to be the type of believer that does just as the Lord has commanded me to. Even when I feel silly, even when I feel foolish, I want to do just as God has commanded me. And so the breath of God, the four winds, they come into these bodies and the bodies stood up and on their feet and they became a great army. And then God proceeds to tell Ezekiel what those bodies were and what he will do. That he will, I will put my spirit in you and you will live again. And you will return to the home of your own land. And what, what I love is God just continues to tell Ezekiel to speak the prophetic word. He invites Ezekiel to be a part of the prophetic vision. It was not that something that Ezekiel just saw, but it was something that he spoke into. It was something that he witnessed. And I began to feel convicted about the prophetic vision and word that God has given me for our city, for our nation, for our lives, which is there are those who are like the bones and they are just dead. 
But even in that death, there is hope through God. There are those who are like those bodies that are put together, but they are without the ruach of God. They are just there, but they are not really living. <coughs> and it is people who are not filled with the spirit of God. And I'll be 100% honest with you. Those people could be inside and outside church gatherings, church communities. But it isn't until the breath of God came into them, into those bodies, that they became a great army. It is not until the Spirit of God, the breath of God, fills us, do we become the army, do we become the people with a purpose, do we become the thing that God has called us to be. So my question to us, church, is how are we participating with God to bring life back to the bones, to bring life back into the bodies? How are we as a gathering of people, a gathering of people journeying, bringing life to our community? Because the thing that I didn't even know until God showed me was that I was allowing the vision that he has given me for Lyndon to die. And it was dying because I was not stewarding it well. It was dying because I was so focused on what God wasn't doing in Riley's body and in my body that I wasn't seeing from his perspective. I was so focused on what God wasn't doing instead of what he has done and what he can do that I failed to steward the vision well. And like I asked you at the beginning of the sermon, I pray and I humbly ask that you would forgive me as your pastor for not stewarding that vision well. Because if we as a church, not a building, not a house, but as people filled with the spirit of God, the breath of God, if we do not have vision, then we do not have purpose. And without purpose, we will become inward and unhealthy. We will lose our vision and our passion and our mission to reach those who do not know who God is. And I am sorry if this offends anybody, I highly doubt it does because I say some offensive stuff a lot and y'all seem to be cool with it. Not really. You usually tell me if I cross a line. But I, I say this and I mean it. I hate it when I hear Christians just saying, well, I, can't, I want the end times to happen because then I could be swept up and I'll go to heaven. I know where I'm going. Honestly, I know where I'm going too, but there are too many people I know and love who will not go there with me unless I continue to lean into the mission, lean into the vision, lean into the passion, and lean into who Christ has called me to be. And so church, would we be like Ezekiel and speak the prophetic message over our city over our county, over our nation? Will we be like Caleb who speaks against the, the group that says we can take the giants? Y'all, there are some giants we are coming up against. 
You are facing it in your family. You are facing it in your relationships. You are facing it in your finances. You are facing the giants in the promise. Because the thing about the promised land is that it will come with giants. But the thing about the promised land is that it was promised. And I don't know about you, but I trust that God will keep his promises to me because he has never failed me. And he will not fail us. So my prayer for you tonight as I close this is I am so humbled to be your pastor. I am so humbled to live life with you. I am grateful for you. I'm grateful that we get to do it together. And I do hope that you will forgive me. You have been so gracious with me, with our family as we learn to lead as we do this new thing and make this new way. And I am grateful. Let us continue to gather, grow, and go. Because there are too many people that we know in our neighborhoods, (coughs) in our work, in our friendships, in our family who do not know the goodness of God And we have the ability to show them the goodness of God and how we serve them and love them. Right now, people are freaking out. And whether or not you agree that they should be freaking out, people are scared. And I say, why not revival now? Why not the people of God stand up, rise up, and do the things that we preach to walk across the street and ask our neighbors if there's anything that we can do to self-quarantine if we are not feeling well, to do these things? Why not now? So I'll end this with a prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Lord, I thank you that you are so good to us and you love us and you are kind and you are gracious. I thank you for this church. I pray that you would continue to give me vision and that I would steward it well. I thank you for the blessing of being the pastor of New Legacy Linden. Continue to work in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.